Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the One Talk podcast. You're here with your host, Ryan. And today we're joined by a guest that I value highly and appreciate. He's a bloke bloke, but he's also got the mindset, the skills, the tools, and he's also someone I admire with the work that he does. And I'd like to introduce Jackson McLean. Man, that was uh, that was a big intro. I think you've oversold me a little bit. There. <laughs> that was really, I really appreciate those kind words, man. And uh, same to you. Like I said, yeah. you know, I think you're a real, you know, intelligent young man, and and you've got a lot of a lot of a great future ahead of you. So yeah, thank you so much for uh, asking to have me on. No, no worries, brother. Like I said, everything I said just then too was absolutely um absolutely true because i do see all the stuff that you put on social media and the work that you do and obviously speaking to your face to face a mastermind like i know you do really good things in this world and i think it's important in life to give people their flowers you know because most of the time in life people get their flowers when it's too late and i think it's important to appreciate each other while you know while we're all around and doing our thing on this earth yeah, hundred percent. I I I have sort of started to do that a lot more. I actually heard it on a um, podcast with Tony. Rob- it was the Lewis House podcast, and Tony Robbins says he gets up and he sends someone a message every mm. day, and like makes a real point to have like a genuine connection, not just you know, hey, you look nice in that shirt yesterday, yeah. but like you know, and it's really easy. My Tuesday mornings have become really easy to send that message because there's always someone in the mastermind group that I can be like, thank you so much for fucking last night. Like it was sick. Like I learned yeah. this, did this. I'm always like, my vibe is just an all time high on a Tuesday morning because of that yeah. mastermind group that you guys run. So it's really exciting, but yeah, it is, it is so right. Like, we often hold back. It's it's sort of like that fear of rejection, maybe. Like I yeah. even notice myself, I'm really pushing myself to do it more, even to text my wife and just be like, hey, I'm really grateful for like, you know, you looking after the kids or doing this or doing that, noticing mm. those things that we tend to just let fall by the way. So we, I think we assume that people you know know that we care about them or we assume that they know that they're loved and and they're appreciated but what happens is like we well assumptions the mother of all fuck-ups right like yeah people don't know they don't know so yeah yeah exactly right and just those little words can absolutely make someone's day like you can change their day their week but even like the energy you get from it yourself, from being able to compliment someone and uplift them like you feed off that energy that you're projecting out into the world as well yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, you, you it, literally any energy you put out into the world, you'll take on that like energy, and you should never be looking to get something out of it. Like you yeah. just do the right thing, and something good will happen. It, that karma is real. Like you might, you know, people you like an easy one is like you donate money to something. Well, you won't get anything directly back from that, but opportunities mm. come in because one like you're doing good things but your your brain actually opens up to other opportunities as well because it starts to work differently you've you're starting to reprogram it yeah and that's like the power of good deed right like for myself i just try to challenge myself because i like just doing good deeds and making people's day like i have like a notebook in my car like a little mini one costs yeah. me like a dollar so every time I go for a drive through for a coffee or whatever it is, like I write like a little personalized note to the person that serves me the coffee and try to hand that in every single time I go to a drive through 
And um, I was pushing that on social media too, just to get other people on board doing good deeds for strangers. But just doing little things like that, you like it just creates a bigger shift in your life and you start attracting more positive things within your own life just by you stepping out there and serving other people. Yeah, I like that. There's, there was a similar one. It used to happen in Canada. When I lived in Canada, it happened a lot where you'd go through a drive-thru and the person had already paid for your like coffee, the person in front of you. Like that one's a cool one too, you know. It's only a couple of bucks. And it's not that the mm. other person even needs you to do it for them. It's just like, oh, cool. There's someone else out there that's just a nice person. And usually what happens is it goes on, right? Like it'll happen yeah. for, until someone like me comes through and orders like three Big Macs and they're like, I'm not fucking paying for that. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. But, you know. Getting the dinner box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, how much did he put down? I'm like, what, yeah. what's the tab at? <laughs> but I remember the first time someone did that to me. I, um, like they paid for the coffee at Starbucks and I was in such disbelief because like before that happened, I never knew it was a thing. I was like, yeah. wait, why? Like, why did they do that? And like, I was in shock, but I was so happy at the same time. And then from there on, I was like, that's such a good message just to pass on to not other people through drive-thrus, but also just a message to push, push on to our audiences and the people that listen to us as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Like people, you know, podcasts are perfect. Someone's driving in their car right now, and they're probably pulling through a drive-through. So it's a yeah. perfect time to throw that out there, and then you know, plant that seed. And maybe you don't do it this time, but you know, every every thought is a seed, and it grows into something. So you know, you, you hear it enough times, and and just keep watering it, and keep nurturing it, and eventually, more and more people will do it. And same, mm. just same with anything. Positive thinking is is the same way. You know, it just starts to grow. It starts to become stronger and stronger, and those belief systems change, and and your life starts to change. Mm. Like I went to this event once, and at the end of the event, they gave us like a gift bag. But they said to us, this gift bag isn't for us. It's for us to pass on to other people. And we had to do it by the end of that day. And I had like two hours left of sunlight because the day was ending. And <laughs> I pulled out the gift bag and it was pink flamingo socks. Yeah. I was like, oh, who am I going to give these to? And the straight away, I was like, the biggest challenge would be find the most manliest man and give them to him for yeah, like yeah. a gift. So I was like, all right, I'll try it. I did it. I was nervous as hell when I first did it. I was like, hey, I'm going to get shut down, rejected. But like, he was in shock and disbelief. He's like, oh man, thank you. That's so cool. I was like, yeah. oh, that's sick. Gave it to yeah. him, shook his hand, you know, exchanged names, had a chat and then off our day we went. But yeah, man, it's just incredible experiences you build from doing stuff like that too. Yeah. And like that information is neutral too, right? So mm. if you had gone up to someone and said, oh, here's a pair of socks, would you yeah. like them? They're free. And they rejected you. It doesn't matter anyway, right? Because like, were you going to be best friends? Well, obviously not. Mm. So it's cool. You just keep both. You go your yeah. separate directions and you don't even have to think about that again. You just move on to the next one. But I think what people do is they tally up those rejections and that's what creates mm. that belief system that holds them back from doing it again. It's sort of like salespeople mm. with sales calls. If you're like going door knocking, it's the person that can get rejected and get to the next one. And I actually heard something interesting about it. It was like having that different mindset of like, all right, I'm, if you go into it going, I know I'm going to get rejected 10 times. So I want to get the first 10 rejections out of the way as quick as I can. So I'm going to get up to 10 people as quick as I can so I can mm. get to the person that's actually going to take this off and meet that person that resonates with me. 
Yeah, like what a way that is to be able to eliminate limiting beliefs and conditioned beliefs. Like you might do it consciously or unconsciously, but either way, by showing up, because it is uncomfortable in a sense. Yeah. And if you push through that, like you're crushing limiting beliefs. Like I got a mate, Will, you might have met him down a mastermind who does the juggling. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he Will, said yeah, to yeah. Me, yeah, he said to me, one of the reasons he loves teaching people how to juggle is because he asked people, goes, oh, can you juggle? And the first thing they say is, no, I, can, I can't juggle. I'm never like, oh, I'm like, I'm not a person that can juggle. And he goes, all right, give me five minutes and you'll be juggling. Then they start juggling. He goes, look, you've crushed this limits and belief. What else can you crush? Yeah. And it's like, once you start identifying those things, you start questioning yourself, like, what else can I overcome in life? Like, what else can I grow into? And you just go on this spiral of just wanting to grow and evolve. 100%. And it, it, all it takes is something as simple as juggling, right? Like mm. for me, it was like with my running, it was just breaking that barrier of doing like a 10K race. And then I was like, all right, so what's next? Like I didn't think that I could do mm. that. And then it bumped up to like 25Ks, then 50 and then 100 and then 160. And now it's at like my next one's like 320. Mm. And then if I break that, I don't even know what like – I'm not even looking forward to beating that because then I've got to do something bigger, but you know, that's the way it goes. But all of a sudden, like you're a new person, you're a completely new person because Mm. that old version of you, that self image is just left behind because you can't be attached to that self image anymore. It's not possible because you've beaten it. Like you, you've already broken through, you know, same with, you know, jobs and making money or relationships, whatever. Like if you don't think you're worthy of a relationship and then all of a sudden you put yourself out there, you meet a person and it starts to go well. It's like, well, I guess I'm not that lonely guy or that lonely girl that couldn't do this, but it's all about being willing. Like it goes back to that rejection too. Like, you know, a lot of those races Mm. that I've entered in, I didn't finish, but then I went back and did it again. So it's that persistence too. So, you know, like if you see yourself as a person that's not worthy of a relationship, it's actually being able to put yourself out there enough times until you find the right person because not everyone's the right person. Understanding that like not everything is the right timing for you and you're going to learn the lessons as you go through. But putting yourself out there and doing those lessons is the most important thing. And also the language you use too, because I just picked up just then the language you're using, which is powerful because you said, um, I didn't finish rather than I quit. Yeah, you know, yeah, like the language that you're using is like um, obviously you program your own subconscious with the language that we use, but you're just saying little things like that is what helps build that self belief more and more and more because then you're not doubting yourself or standing back because you used the word quit. Like I didn't finish, so that means there's an opportunity to go again. Yeah, hundred percent. It was in my mind it, the race wasn't finished, right? Like I even actually went back out there a couple of weeks later and just ran that last leg, just to like yeah. finish it essentially but to be like all right and i knew <laughs> that like i was gonna end i i was literally sitting in hospital and entered into the next hundred mile race because i was like okay like this fell apart and i was di- i was literally lying in a hospital i wasn't even lying in a hospital bed the hospital was so overrun i was sitting on the floor like my legs were just fucked yeah. i was i had rhabdo i had an eye they were yeah, trying wow. to put an iv in but the doctor was that tired he couldn't find my vein which like they're not that hard to find they're pretty yeah, like wow. sticking out but he was just like by the end of it, I was, yeah. it was like three o'clock in the morning and he's just like 
I think you'll be okay. Just go home. I'm like, okay, I'll be fine. Then. Yeah, well. Wow. And went home and, and sorted out. But like I was saying, I was just sitting there and I was dissecting that race. I was like, okay, the first race I went in, the first hundred mile I went into, I just I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea. I knew that I needed to eat a certain amount and do certain things, but um like you're supposed to have six drop bags along the way. So like every, mm. every checkpoint you have your food and like some, you know, whatever, like clothes or bits and pieces, whatever you need for a race. And I got to the, I got there. I didn't even, I, did, I like, I read the instructions, but I didn't understand them. Yeah. And so I just had a backpack. I had one backpack with like a kilo bag of Allen snakes in it and a couple of gel shots thinking that like, they, they say they supply some food. And I was like, well, yeah. hopefully that's enough to get me to the end. Yeah. It wasn't. And so, like, all these things happened. Like, I didn't have, you know, a pit crew. I didn't have the right nutrition. I didn't have, you know, oh, you, oh, the list was so long. But taking all that, like, once I got to the end where I couldn't continue anymore, like, it was literally, like, um. Mm basically got to the point where I thought I was I was so tired that I was going to just lie down and have a sleep but it was minus three degrees and I'd burned 18,000 calories and I didn't I'd taken in about 2,000 so I'd literally like by the time I got home I was completely like I, I looked malnourished like I looked yeah. fucked. and so that's when I made the call to my wife to come pick me up because I was like if I lie down here and go to sleep like there's a good chance I just don't wake up because because it's such a long race and I didn't know where I was, it, they would have waited until like lunchtime the next day to come looking for me. So yeah. it could have been too late. And so I made the call to get my wife to come pick me up. But like I said, you, I could have looked at that and gone, oh, I quit. I've, it's done. And even I mess, I like had um, it set up as a charity thing. And I told people, hey, guys, really sorry. Didn't make it to the end. And a couple mm. of people were like, you know, maybe it's not for you. Don't worry. Like it was it was positive, but it was also sort of negative in saying like, just, <laughs> just give up on that idea. Don't worry about it. Like move on to the next thing. And that's yeah. what really lit the fire for me was like, no, like I can do this. Like. There was things that are within my control, but I didn't control them on the day. And I'll make sure that they're controlled the next time. And then I just signed up for the next one and and hit it. And I had like a pit crew. Things still went wrong. Like that's the one good thing about like good thing or bad thing, however you want to look at it. But I like it as a good thing because the mm. ultra marathon for me really it's like it just is life like it is yeah. it's like living a whole life in like a 24-hour period because the goal is to get from the start line to the finish line in you know however long it takes you most guys in the race even the best guys are like i don't care about winning or losing this race is me against me just getting to the finish line and that's mm. why i like it because i'm not super fast i'm not a fast runner I'm yeah. just there to grind it out. Like I'm just there to keep picking up the pieces and going again. And like say, it's it's like life. There's just always these obstacles that come up. You know, the track isn't the way that you want it to be on the day. It might have rained the night before. There's puddles, there's shit. You know, mm. um, the guy who was pit crewing for me, Matt Blunt, he's a great friend of mine. He, he shows up for everything. He's my old neighbor actually. And he's helped me so much in my life. Like unbelievable guy. Like just, just a just the top like he's helped me like through my divorce just through everything and mm. like still shows up he just 
he takes work off and goes, all right, I'm going to drive around behind you while you run for two days. And yeah. like, doesn't, you know, he loves it. Well, I don't know if he loves it, loves it, but he comes anyway. So he loves you, bro. That's fine. Yeah. That's commitment. That's it. Yeah. And that's it. Right. But, and so, but like there's times where he got the map to the checkpoints and then like he couldn't find the checkpoints. So I get to a checkpoint, there's no food there. There's no water, like none of my stuff's there. And it's like, what do I do? Do I give up? Do I sit there and wait for two hours or do I just punch it through to the next checkpoint? And like, we have our phones on us and um, battery yeah. packs and all that sort of stuff. So I'm just like sending him a message. I'm like, you're not at this checkpoint, man. I don't know like what happened. It's all good. I'm going to move on to the next one. See if you can get to the next one. And like, that's that thing of in life, you're always going to have these things, you're going to have breakups. You're going to have, you know, troubles with money. And it's about seeing it not, worse than it is but just seeing it as it is and it's like all right what's the next step i'm going to do to move towards that goal that i set for myself so like my goal is always like the the number one goal is to finish that race there's mm. going to be obstacles because i don't know even tonight like like i said i'm running one tomorrow morning i'm driving up to the sunshine coast and i'll start running at like midnight tonight i don't know what's going to happen between midnight tonight and three o'clock tomorrow afternoon, there's going to be all sorts of shit happen. But that's, I think that's a really important thing with setting your goals so big because your goals aren't about like really reaching them. They're there yeah. for you to grow. And so setting them big enough that you know that there's going to be obstacles. So when they come up, they don't deter you from hit, hitting the target still. They're just there and you're going to figure out a way to get around them. Mm -hmm. That's so true, bro. Like if I'm at the gym, for an example, and I'm like, I want to be in the treadmill for 30 minutes. If I get to 20 minutes, I'm too tired. I'm really like to myself, I already said I'll commit to 30. Instead of like just going on the treadmill of no time limit, I'm just like, oh, 20, I'll stop. It's like, no, yeah. I said 30, so I'm going to push the 30 and find a way. So like, it seems like to me, bro, just by talking to you, you seem like a guy, and correct me if I'm wrong, that if there's a problem in life, there's always answers. It seems like you're that type of person. There's always got to be an answer on how to get to where I need to get to in life. I want to ask, like, where did this mindset come from? Like, is it something you grew up with? Is it something that you have to adopt? Something you have to learn? Um, it's it's something that I've definitely adopted. I would say that I was very, I was not like that at all growing up. So in primary school and high school, I was called, like, I was labeled dyslexic. So that sort of set that mindset that, you know, I wasn't really smart. I probably wasn't going to amount to much in life, you know, and you get that constant repetition of, you know, hey, go to this class. Like, don't worry about doing that because it's not going to work out. Just fucking keep taking the easy path. And a lot of the time I did do that. Like, I'd just take that easy option. When the obstacle came up, I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to, like, it literally got to the point where, when I dropped out of school, I had to read a novel over the school holidays and I didn't yeah. do it because I didn't want to do it. I didn't like reading. I got back to school and they're like, we have exams. We've got all this stuff that we got to do around this novel. I'm like, mm. I haven't fucking read it. Like, what am I yeah. going to do? And then I was like, all right, I guess it's time to like, now's as good a time as any to drop out of school. I'm just going to take the easy option. I'm not going to go home and like try hard and read the book like I should have done. How old I'm were you? uh that was year 16 i think i was 16 because i quit yeah. school when i was 16 and then oh. i um went and got a trade uh i was a bricklayer like i started my bricklaying apprenticeship i did a pre-apprenticeship and then got an apprenticeship from that 
And like, I actually did pretty well in that because it was physical. I was using my hands. It's something that I always like to do. But um, yeah, it was something that for, for so long in my life, I would always sort of just pick that low hanging fruit, like just take the easy option, take the easy option. And then it was sort of at the same time that I got into ultra running and um, I met and I had a new boss. I, I quit my job on the drilling rigs. I ended up working on oil and gas mm. rigs for a long time. And then I met a guy named Devin Hanson and he's like another friend of mine, like a lifelong friend. And he sort of took me under his wing and he helped, he asked me to come on board and help him start a new business and is mm. an oil and gas business. I won't go into the details because it's not really important, but yeah, this is a guy that was like, I really looked up to him. So he'd played ice hockey his whole life, like um, whatever. I can't remember the name of it. It was the one below the NHL, but he'd tried out for the NHL as well. He actually holds a record for like, he's basically like the happy Gilmore of that league. He's like spent the most time in the penalty box as a goalie as well. So he, he was like been in a lot of fights and stuff, but he was like, he was, when you meet him, you would be like, he's never been in a fight in his life. He's just the yeah. nicest guy ever. But, um, but then he turns it on when he has to. But, yeah. <laughs> but like, I think it was like a bunch of different things where like I saw the way that he operated in his life and like he was mm. he was just a never say die type of guy. And I think working on the rigs was also a bit like that. Like when you're stuck out in the desert and something breaks down, you can't just throw your hands up in the air and say, oh, well, we'll just give up now. You have mm. like your job is to keep that thing going, like to keep mm. the rig running. And so it was sort of a gradual process of like seeing how to overcome obstacles there and then implementing that into other facets of my life. So like I said, I started ultra running and like, you know, that was the big one. Like that was the one where you'd set out for a goal, a task, and you just didn't know how to get it. But it always, like the whole thing about those long marathons, like the obstacle course races and whatever, it's, mm. it's always just about, are you going to be the one that overcomes the obstacle? I remember there was a, there's a 24 hour race. I'm actually doing it next month as well. It's an obstacle course race. And, you know, in the middle of the night, you've got, you've got to swim through the pond every lap. And yeah, in the well, middle of the night, it gets like down to minus three degrees or whatever. And that's when people start dropping off because it's that thing like the obstacle is getting through that pond. But then once you're through it, you're freezing cold. And then you, the only way to warm yourself up is to start running again. Like you have mm. to run. If you don't run, you're you're done like yeah. there's a fault and they even have a guy sitting there watching the pond to make sure everyone's safe but he's sitting there next to the fire to stay warm so what a lot of people do is like i'll get out of the pond and then i'll go dry off by the fire and it, it's fucking 10 times worse because the heat from the fire isn't enough to warm up your core so you've got to be able to push yourself and start running again and mm. like that's one of those things that's that mindset of like what am I going to do? Like the, there's always options too. And like you say, you, you know, you get to an obstacle and you're, you're looking for that path through. And there's a book about it. It's called um, The Third Door. And the analogy is when you get to a nightclub, right, there's the long lineup with just everyone who's trying to get into the nightclub. Then yeah. there's like the VIPs who just get straight through. And then there's the person who's willing to do something different and look for the third option. Right. Most of us just see the two options. They're like, well, I'm who I am. So I have to wait in line for my turn in life. Is it, it, it like think of the door of success? 
Yeah. And it's like, well, I'll just wait until success comes to me, until everyone else walks through the door and then my success will come. But like so often in life, success isn't going to work that way. Like the sun will come up and the nightclub will close before the line dies down. And then it's like, well, maybe I can become a celebrity, but like your options there are very narrow too. Like there's still an amount of work you have to do to become a celebrity, no matter what you do. But then there's the there's the thinking man, right? There's the person who goes, well, I'm going to get in like whatever way possible. So they walk over the road, they buy a carton of beer, they walk through the back door holding it, say, hey, I'm the delivery guy. I'm just here to deliver this carton. Oh, can I come straight through? And you walk straight into the club through the back door. And like, that's a lot of what, like that changed my mentality a lot too. Like now, whenever I'm sort of met with an obstacle, I'm always thinking like, what is the third door here? What is the mm. thing that I'm not seeing that I can not do like you know, not be cold calling people the same as everyone else or sort of just not doing those same things that everyone else is doing, not standing in line waiting for my turn. That's such a good analogy too. You know, it's like if there's, if there's a will, there's always a way. And yeah. there's always like, I adopted this from Tony Robbins, but he's just like, there's always answers. And that like rings in my head whenever I face an obstacle now. And it's like that with yourself, you know, if something arises, there's always got to be an answer no matter how bad the situation is, no matter how complex it is, no matter if there's one or two ways, there's got to be a third, like there's always an answer there. And you just got to keep that open mind and actually strategize and think, and then you will get the answers. hundred percent. And like, there's another thing, like it's called the reticular activating system. And so what happens is whatever you're feeding your subconscious that reticular activating system acts as a filter and that'll reaffirm anything that you're telling yourself. So if you're telling yourself there is a third option, there is another way, your brain is being programmed to look for that extra option. It's always Mm. looking to make sure that you're not lying to yourself. And so that's why it's really important when you are like met with an obstacle, having that positive mindset, like a lot of people think, oh, you know, just think positive, blah, blah, blah. it's a bit woo woo, but there Mm. is science to back it up and your brain works in a very particular way. And that reticular activating system is basically you being open and minded enough to see what's happening in your environment to allow you to move forward on that goal that you're chasing. Yeah, and even like adding a bit of discipline to the mix because when I run, there's like a track around, just around the corner from my house. That's like, I think it's like a 300 meter track. Yeah. And um, when I run it, like my brain always tries to convince me, but I'll like, oh, just cut this corner. Like, yeah. even, though it's, even though it's like a meter shorter, it's like, I'll oh, just cut this corner and you'll gain a meter. Then yeah. in my mind, I'm like, if I do that, like what other shortcuts am I taking in life? Like what else am I not committing to? And like, I have like these wars of inside my head when I'm running, but I don't do the runs to your extent. So what's that like for you when you're on these big runs and you have like this in the battle with intrusive thoughts and you've got to overcome them? How does that oh, work out for you? Yeah, it's, it's hard because uh, I know what you're saying. I did the Goggins 4448. So the four miles every four hours for 48 hours. And that one's really difficult because I'm right near home. So you know, like running, it's only a 6K run. So I didn't get that far from my house. And, you know, as you're starting to get into the later hours of it, it's like I haven't slept for like a consistent period of time in like 40 hours now. And I've Mm. got to go do this like 6K run. 
and you do, your mind does play a lot of tricks on you. It's like, just, you don't need to do this. Like, let's just turn around. Like, let's cut this corner. Like, no one's watching. I do always try and put myself on the hook for something. Like, make sure that I'm held accountable. I always tell people now what I'm doing so that, mm. like, it's almost, it's too embarrassing to not keep going. Yeah. But with those longer races, realistically, like, you know, deep down, you know that, like, people are, like, they're in awe of it anyway. So it doesn't mm. matter if you were to quit. So it does become just a battle of you. How much do you really want to finish? And so it there's, you know, like, say, uh, over a course of 160 kilometres, it's just up and down. Like, you, you, you're just completely defeated. And, like, depending on whether you're running a trail run or, like, the BVRT, which is the Brisbane Valley Rail Trail, that's, mm. like, a pretty steady, flat track. Like, it's not a bad track to run. But it's still just super difficult because your legs are shot to bits. Like, you think once you're up to, like, 80 Ks or whatever, it depends on yeah. the person. But once you get to that stage, like, everyone's legs are fucked. And it all just yeah. becomes about what's the mindset? Like, what's your drive to get to the finish line? What are you doing? And for me, a lot of it comes back to, like, that younger self-image. And, and mm. like, I didn't believe in myself. And I think, for me, being able to break those barriers and to show people, like, who I was as a young kid to where I am now. It's like, you can do this because I wasn't anyone. I've never been anyone special. I'm just like, I'm as average as they come, but I'm doing this. So what can you do? Like, yeah. I want people to understand that. And it's not just about that. Like I have four sons, like I have my two sons from a previous marriage and my two stepsons. And it, it, like, I have a lot of responsibility there too, to show them. And one of the biggest drivers too, is my son, Austin, like he has cystic fibrosis and literally from the day he's born, they're telling him all these things that he won't be able to do in his life because of his disease. And I just don't like, I am starting to see a few more people that do achieve a lot with that disease because they just don't like uh, that what happens is like we say that environment that they're in and they're in this very controlled CF environment where the doctors are constantly telling them where their limits are and, you know, nurses and then their parents buy into that belief system and everyone's bought into this belief system that your life is going to be difficult. You know, you're not, you're going to need a lung transplant by this age. Things aren't going to work out for you. You're going to be in and out of school, blah, blah, blah. And for me, I thought it was my responsibility as his dad to go, you know what? Like, I'm going to show you what I can do. And then it's up to you to see what you can do. And I want to push him too, to, to really achieve things that no one else has achieved in that area. That's amazing, bro. That's a good, you're a good mentor to your son there because like we can get this advice from people, their intentions may be good, but they're not realizing that they're putting on um, conditioned beliefs on yeah. people's mind and mindset and then that's actually going to stop them from doing things that they can actually do because the belief's not there and the belief's not there they're actually not going to even try or if they do it's not going to be that confidence behind it or strength behind it then you're going to build that back up like i relate that to that a lot man because i, I got hit by a car when i was like 16 or 15 yeah. done me back up really bad doctor said to me i'll never be in the gym again um never do like a physical job now at the time I was telling you on your podcast at this time, like I was, that was when I was around 60 odd kilos. Yeah. And then, um, I was like, Oh, I believed it for a bit. Like it got me down. Then I was like, 
oh, I've got to find a way. There's got to be a way. Yeah. So I started going to the gym and they said I would never be able to lift weights again. But now I've been in the gym consistently for about seven years since then. And I've yeah. gained like 30 kilos and a lot of it's muscle mass. So it just shows that these, um, these limits that these set on us are not actually there for life. Like we can actually break away from, and we got to give things a try to be able to break from these condition beliefs. hundred percent. And like, like, and it's not the doctor's fault. It's not the teacher's fault. It's not your parents' fault yeah. because they've just, they're going off of what they've seen. And like, it's really interesting when you talk about doctors, especially um, I heard on the Tony Robbins um, talking about his new book. And he said, 80% of the time that you go to a second doctor, uh, yeah, every time you go to a second doctor, 80% of the time their diagnosis is going to be different than the first mm -hmm. doctor. Like you think about that, 80%, that's that's so massive. And like, so my mum passed away from cancer. She went to the same doctor three times and he said, oh, you've got a urinary tract infection. She had three tumours the size of apples. And like, mm. this is just goes back to that. Like doctors, no one's perfect. Everyone's fallible. So having that second opinion just opened your eyes up so much more. Like had you gone to a different doctor, they'll be like, no, you'll be fine, man. And it gives you this whole new set of beliefs. But what's happened is that doctor that you were seeing probably had someone with a very similar injury who didn't actually, you know, achieve anything afterwards. But then you got to look at, that comes back to your belief system and that person's belief system. And that doctor's now taking like the information from the other person and impressing it on you. But you completely like, had he done the opposite and taken your belief system and impressed it on that person, he could have had a completely different outcome with the other person. Yeah, exactly. And like, the thing is everyone's doing the best they can with the information they got. And that's why it's important, like you said, to get a second opinion, because at the end of the day, no matter anyone's profession, at the end of the day, it's an opinion of their um, accumulated experience, knowledge, and everything they've acquired. So being able to go to speak to someone else and just get a different idea, you know, they may say the same thing, they may not, but it's always worth just going out your way and finding more out and finding more answers. Yeah, and it's like, it goes back to simple things like COVID and stuff too. At the start of COVID, there's so many people going, well, my business is going under and, you know, everything's going to shit. But there's plenty of people that have had all, like, done extremely well through COVID and it's made their lives a hell of a lot easier, you know. And it's just having that different mindset and going, okay, mm. like, is this a positive or a negative? Like, what can I do through this time and how do I make it work to my benefit? It's just another obstacle, but what's your third door? Yeah, I was just about to say that um, that book that you recommended about the three doors, I think that's important for a lot of people to um, read or listen to if you listen to this episode, especially regarding if you're someone who struggles with challenges or overcoming challenges. I think that book will probably give you a, a new good perspective and understanding on, because like if you're telling yourself, for an example, when COVID happened, my business is going under, I'm struggling, like that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, it will be hard to fight against it, obviously, because of the times and what was happening. But there's always got to be an answer. And a lot of other businesses, they um, found ways to survive and overcome. Mm. But it just all comes down to like the language that you use, how willing you are, and just giving it a go. Yeah. Not even survive, but thrive. Like thrive, I think, yeah. You know, I mean, Elon Musk become a trillionaire throughout yeah. COVID because he was investing in the right things. And, you know, it's just, 
it, it goes back to that reticular activating system, right? You know, I have people that I talk to that say, oh, my business is going under. And I said, well, you know, and, and the construction industry, especially in, in Queensland right now, people are sort of going, oh, the price of materials is so high, so our business is struggling and blah, blah, blah. And it's happening everywhere. And as soon as they say it's happening everywhere, that's the information that they're going to constantly get. And mm. their reticular activating system is actually going to block out anyone that is doing well or they're going to tell like your brain twists it so it fits your narrative so it's going yeah they're doing well but because of this excuse 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 right and all these excuses are just made up excuses so that you can tell yourself continue telling yourself the lie that this thing can't be done until you switch that narrative and say no it can be done i can do this you'll start to find the ways but it's all about how you're talking to yourself right Exactly right. And this is why I want to touch back on what we we're talking about before about a second opinion. Like for a little while, I was feeling like mentally like disengaged, like brain fog and stuff like that. So initially, I avoided going to doctors because I didn't want to get diagnosed with anxiety because I, I like I know my body, I know myself, I knew I didn't have anxiety. Mm. So I spoke to a doctor, he goes, Oh, yeah, you're struggling, you're struggling with anxiety, try this, try that. I was like, I'm not getting on medication, like I know it's not anxiety. So I requested to get some like bloods done, got some bloods taken. It turns out I got a B12 deficiency. Yeah. So I started, so I started taking B12 and then it cured, like it's gone. Yeah. So that's the importance. Like if anyone ever asks me, like, or they come to me saying, I'm like, I'm feeling depressed, I'm feeling anxious. I always recommend people like, first up, get your bloods taken. See, you know, like how's your hormones? How's your testosterone? How's all your B12 and, and your vitamin D? Like how's everything balancing because that might be your answer there before you go to things like medication and such 100 percent. like depression is you know well it's one it's the thought process right it's what what are you what what in your environment are you taking in and are you choosing to see it as a negative or a positive because all the information is neutral you know and like i would look back now at my divorce and at the the start of it, I was always looking at it as a negative, right? Like it was, it was, it was heartbreaking for me. My wife called me when I was working in the mines. I was literally sitting in a donga out in uh, Roma, and my wife just rang me up and said, "We're done. We're over. Like, you know, I'm not going to be there when you get home." And I was crushed. And so, like, I was, I was always looking at these negatives and being like, "Oh, my life is over. You know, I'm going to lose everything. This is terrible." And then gradually I started to see the positives. It was like, oh, I can actually go out and find myself. Like I'm not attached to, I'm not this relationship. I'm more than this relationship. And then I started to like dig a bit deeper and find out who I really am and what I really want out of life. Like it gave mm. me the opportunity to not be stuck in a job that I didn't love. And it gave me all these opportunities to like become this completely different person. But it was that ability to be able to stop seeing it as a negative and start seeing it as a positive that was like able to change all that. And like depression is, there is so many factors in depression. Like what are you eating? What are you, like, what are you exercise are you doing? How much sun are you getting? You know, in Canada, they, there's parts of Canada where you don't get sun for like mm. months and months of the year. Some, I think there's even like far up North, like you can go six months of just straight darkness. Yeah. And so you get that vitamin D deficiency and then it causes depression. So like all these little simple things, but the problem with doctors are like it's not the problem but it's it's their belief system too is they've been taught 
and drilled into them that, right, here's the medication for this problem, like put them together and it's solved. But mm. a lot of the time with antidepressants is because you're still doing the same actions day in, day out, your antidepressant's not strong enough. Like mm. you eventually you hit the threshold and then it's time to upgrade and like yeah. up your dose and you're not fixing the things that are really causing the problem. It's like changing those things in your environment, changing your actions, changing how much exercise you're getting, changing how much sun you're getting, changing how the, it can be the people around you too. Like it's, you know, we talk mm. about it, the mastermind is a huge factor, like, for me and like saying on a Tuesday morning, I wake up like full of high vibrations and feeling really positive because the people I've just been hanging around are exactly like that. They're not all mm. sitting around on antidepressants. Whereas like the doctor might prescribe you antidepressants and then he'll go, go sit in this circle with other depressed people and talk about mm. your problems. And you can all tell each other how shit your lives are. It's yeah. like, well, how is that helpful? Trauma right? bonding. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. And like, yeah, that's the, that's the power of environment. And that's why, like, if you are feeling anxious, depressed, um, or any other mental illness, try and, like, audit your life and just create, like, a web of your life and try and figure out <clears throat> what areas you can improve. Yeah. Because that, that can help a lot, you know? Like, when I was in uh, battling with depression, it was more so of me just being the victim all the time. I yeah. had, like, this victim mentality, and that's why it took me so long to break the cycle until I had that tough conversation with myself, like, look... You keep playing the victim. You're not going to break this cycle. You're going to keep feeling this way. And it's going to, all these things are going to keep happening against you. And you're going to keep feeling down. But the day that you start taking ownership of your life and accountability, that's when things start to change. <clears throat> and yeah. going, going back before to um, talking about your breakup, I, there would be probably a few men or even women listening to this right now. Uh, do you have any advice on how to cope with a divorce or um, a breakup and stuff like that? I think for me, and it was funny, I was just about to say something else, but it, that that question sort of brings it up perfectly. It's finding oh, your purpose. Like mm. for me, there was days where I was like, I was working a job that like I wasn't in love with. It was sort of the start of COVID. It was just before COVID really hit and things started to get locked down or anything. But I was working like 18-hour days, massive hours, trying to get this company sort of up and running. My wife just left me. And, like, there was days where I was driving along. I hadn't had enough sleep. And I'd just be looking at the trees on the side of the road. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to pull into one of these and, like, fucking and call it quits. Because, like, I'm about to lose my house. I'm about to, like, maybe she's going to take the kids from me. You know, your brain starts mm. to do all, do all this thing. Because for men especially, we, we see people who do lose their kids and do lose their house and do all these things. But ultimately, like, because it goes back to that belief system, like, that was my belief system because I was letting my environment control that. Mm. But it doesn't have to be that way. Like, you have the ability to, you know, you have the ability to have a good relationship with your ex-partner too. Like, there's plenty yeah. of people that do have that. And, you know, mine's up and down, but it's good. Like, it's fine. Like, it is nothing bad. We don't withhold the kids from each other, you know. Mm the house got split up, you know, whatever. Money's money too. Like the best thing to do is to move on with your life, I think. Like the best thing that I did was just like cut it all off, get it finished. And then and then I was able to just start living my life. And mm. so the biggest thing was like 
get on with your life. Like you have, this is a fresh start. This isn't the end. This is the beginning. So like seeing it like for what it is and seeing it as a positive. So it's like, awesome. Now I get to explore who I am and who I want to be. Like for a lot of men, I think they get stuck in, especially when you have a wife and kids, you get stuck in a job that you're not passionate about because you feel like you have to be the provider. And that this is your new opportunity. Like, yes, you still have to provide for your kids and like pay child support or do whatever. But like, you're not a bad dad by pursuing something. You're actually a better parent by pursuing something you're passionate about than doing something you're not passionate about. And that's Mm. something that I think is really important because what am I teaching my kids by working a job that I hate until they're out of school or whatever, and then becoming resentful of them and my wife because I feel forced to do that thing rather Mm. than pursuing something that I love, even if I fail at it, even if it doesn't work out, at least I'm teaching my kids to follow their dreams and follow their passions. Because how often do we have, you know, your parent tells you that you shouldn't pursue your football career or your netball career or your music career or your acting Mm. career because it's too hard. But like, don't you think it would be better to have a life where, you know, even Morgan Freeman didn't make it big as an actor till he was like 60. Yeah. Colonel Sanders didn't start cooking KFC until he was 60. Mm. It, it'll happen for everyone, but like it's, it's more important to live a life fulfilled and full of passion than one that's you're just doing the right thing for other people. So mm. like finding your passion and then, yeah, having purpose. Like anytime I got really down, I remembered, like, I have my sons. Like, I haven't lost everything. Like, if I was broke on the side of the road, well, I still have my family too. Like, my dad was really supportive, but they were down in Victoria. And this was, like I said, COVID was coming in. So that meant, like, I couldn't actually see them or really speak to them properly. So I did feel, like, very isolated. And that sort of comes back into my old neighbor, Matt. Yeah. Uh, he was awesome. Like he'd be like, Oh, let's just go drink beer. We, we lived on acreage. So our houses come sort of backed onto each other. And so we could sort of, he was a cop, but um, he was like, we'll be right. We'll just stand in your backyard and we'll be a meter apart and it's all good. So we would go down the back and have a fire and have a few beers, but like, so like surrounding yourself with good people, having a purpose, like having a vision, like my kids Mm. were my purpose. And then that's where the ultra running really started to take off too. Like I was like, I listened to David Goggins and I started filling my head with more positive messages. And then I was like, I entered into my first uh, 50K ultra and like Mm. that's where things just took off because I was like, all right, I'm going to do more than what I currently believe I'm capable of. So I was like pushing myself out of my comfort zone as well. So there's a lot of things, but like having that goal of, you know, who, who am I and who do I want to be? And like start moving towards who you want to be, like Mm. leave the past in the past and get on with your life and become that person that you suppressed for so long. You're probably half the reason that you're in the situation that you're in right now. Like the reason that I ended up divorced was because I was trying to be someone that I'm not. Mm. and like you know i can look back now and say like there were so many mistakes i made as a husband but i think the biggest one was not being who i really wanted to be yeah well i think that's such a a powerful detailed message as well like especially in terms of finding your purpose and also being an example for your kids or even if you don't have kids being an example for yourself 
by pursuing something and figuring it out. Like myself, like I read, listened to a book called The Way of the Superior Men I was telling you about. Yeah, that yeah. book's like very about you find your purpose and drive as a man. And that's a really good book for males to listen to or even females to learn about their partners or just men in general. Um, but that book was just all about find your purpose and drive. And then that's what broke me out of that victim mindset aside from those real conversations with myself because at the time I had no purpose. So I had no drive or anything like that. But listening to that information was the trigger in my mind to go and seek other things and start fulfilling stuff and maybe not show my kids that I have kids, but I show like my family and my friends that, you can be in one situation, but you're not stuck there. You can always grow and move. And there's always a way. You just got to keep on believing in yourself, stick to your path, and you'll find your way. And like you said before, like you got to be your true self. If you keep trying to fulfill someone else's shoes or fill someone else's identity, you're never going to get to where you want to get to in life. You got to always be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and what are you filling your head with on a daily basis too? Like for a long time, I just listened to sort of comedy podcasts and like, I'll still love listening to uh, watching comedy and stand up comedy and all that, like as a relief, but I think doing it day in, day out, just like, you know, and mm. I had all these hours where, you know, I'd be running or I'd be driving or whatever. And it all could have been time spent like, listening to something like this where it's people talking about overcoming obstacles or yeah. listening to something that's a bit more motivational or, or it's going to expand my horizon and so like that you know i wasn't even a big reader but like i started to read i did 75 hard and that sort of broke the mold as well i did mm. once i did that like then since then i've just been able to read you know almost every day i try and read something and I'm yeah. always listening to something like an audio book or, or a podcast that's a bit more informative rather than just, you know, cracking jokes and sort of like reality TV, right? Like it's, mm. you know, rather yeah. than watching Netflix and reality TV, I've got mm. Gaia, which is like giving you something that you can really take away and use. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And uh, it's so important to understand what information you are in taking, like, me right now, I listen to a comedy podcast, but it's not like the only thing I listen to. It's probably like 20% of the time um, just to create fun in my life. But 80% of the time, it's about stuff that's adding value to my life. Like the comedy does to a sense, it brings me laughter. So that's the value in that. But you can overconsume that and then start lacking in other areas in life. So you just got to identify what values do you want to bring into your life, especially, you know, like me and you, we want to help men. Like what can we intake as information to add value so we can uh, fulfill our service and our purpose within this world? Yeah, hundred percent. Like that's, that's what I'm looking for now is just more stuff around what I talk about. Like the more mm. I, the more information I can get, the more information I can pass on. Right. Yeah. Like, I think I used to be afraid that I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just ripping people off. So I don't want to do that. Like I don't want to rip people off, but I also want to give other people like, understanding that the people that resonate with me won't resonate with you so me mm. telling you everything that i know allows you to pass that on to someone else so in a way i'm helping that person i'm helping them through you and that's still like fulfilling my purpose right so mm. being willing to give everything that you've got and not afraid like because you're your core people, your tribe, they're going to come to you. They're not going to come to someone else because they're saying what you say. They're still going yeah. to come to you. So not being afraid to give is really important too. Like just giving, 
like giving mm. to people and and you'll always get something back but like you should never give thinking that you're going to get something back you should always be willing to give more than you're going to get but just think about if you're giving a, an incredibly large amount mm. well you're going to get that back 100 and that's why I, i'm going to assume but correct me if i'm wrong you're the same too like the reason i love doing podcasts is because we get to give this value to people, but then also we get to engage in the conversation with someone else that we also gain value from, give value to, and we just learn so much. And podcasting is such a good space for growth, like personal development. Yeah, hundred percent. Like the whole reason I started my podcast was to give like people like yourself and mm. anyone else a platform to mm. like, well, help them find their audience, help them find their tribe because everyone that comes on my podcast has something to offer the world. And so I want them to be able to find the people that they need to find. So they need to be able to, there's certain amount of people that they need to help and to, to help them find those people is why I started that podcast to give them the opportunity to find more eyes and more ears and, and to really get themselves out there because what they're doing needs to be heard. It needs to be found. It needs to be seen. And it's really mm. important work. Like I say, you, the work that you do with like mental health and like for young men, there's so many young men out there struggling with that. And how can we reach them? How can we reach like some of them are on Instagram, some are on Facebook, some of them listen to the podcast. Yeah. So let's, let's get you out there and get those people on the right path because mm. otherwise like it could just be one podcast they listen to and it changes their life forever you know yeah. and that's perfect like that's that's amazing that's great work yeah exactly it just it's just it it, it, oh, it literally can just be that one time to listen to it or read it or see your reel on instagram or see your post on facebook or see something on your tiktok it can literally just be that one thing and that's why i believe like the more output you have out there the more of a change you're going to reach someone that's going to land with them. And that's the beauty of um, being able to do what we do and offer a space like even with this podcast, like people like yourself, you know, to be like, all right, this is Jackson. He does this work with men and mindset. So that's good because then it puts light on the work you do. And then someone's going to connect with you and your message. And then you can also link up and network and support each other. Like there's so many things that can come from just being able to give on the podcast. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it's it's been a massive eye opener. I was talking to uh, your business partner Steve for the mastermind, yeah. and like, and you you mentioned Will before. So Will was my second guest. So I had my wife on my first, and then Will was my second guest, and then Will mm. invited me to the mastermind, which introduced mm. me to Steve, which introduced me to you, which introduced me to. I had Darren Riley on. I had uh, I've just finished recording the podcast with Ricky Lee. Like, yeah, wow. This one thing, like, and I talk about this too when I'm talking to people about like how their lives are going to change. Like, it's literally one decision. That one decision to follow Will and he mm. followed me back and we had a conversation. Like, it's branched out into now I have a fucking podcast. Yeah. Like, and now I've met all these people and like I meet them weekly and they help me with my goals. And like, so many things come off these tiny, tiny decisions. Mm. you know and like i talk about the same thing with my ultra running like i made one tiny decision to run a like a really short marathon to raise money for cystic fibrosis queensland and so 
that became what it is today. Now I'm running an ultra marathon. I, I missed one month, but I've got two next month. But I've, I'm run like I was running an ultra marathon every month this year for Cystic Fibrosis Queensland. So yeah, I wow. went from running one 10k to I'll, I'll probably end up running like I don't even know. I'll, I'll have to figure it out by the end of the year, but it's going to be like tens of thousands of k possibly. <laughs> That is sick, man. I absolutely love that. Could you tell us a bit more about the one you're doing tonight and the preparation that goes into doing something like these marathons that you do? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the prep, I um, there's actually a really the, the top guy, um, his name's Ryan Crawford, and I definitely oh, recommend yeah. checking him out. Um, he's got an awesome doco as well. So the documentary is about the Brisbane Valley Rail Trail. That's actually the race that I'm running after this one. But so the preparation is like I get up every morning. I used to be a bricklayer back in the day. So my preparation back then was I get up at three o'clock in the morning. I go for like a 20K run and then I'd go to work, work all day. And then maybe I'd go do some boxing or whatever after work as well. But now that I do the work that I do, I work from home. And so I'm able to get up at like four o'clock in the morning. I go for my 20K run. I also do obstacle course races. So like I still have to go to the gym as well and like be doing chin-ups and push-ups and that sort of thing. But yeah. the race preparation is basically just getting as many Ks in as possible. So mm-hmm. like right now I'm running between like 80 and 120 Ks a week um, after this race. I'll go back to running every single day coming up to yeah. that 200 mile because I just need the extra Ks in my legs. But ultimately, like, I find that even doing yoga and doing ice baths and stuff is really mm. important too because at a certain point, like, you can run, you know, an, an astronomical amount of kilometres in a week, but you're still doing the whole race in one day yeah and so your legs are going to give out on you like getting as many k's in so your legs are as good as they can possibly be is really important also getting your mindset right so that when that inevitable breakdown happens mm. are you able to talk to yourself in the way that you need to talk to so that you can keep pushing through like even just to be able to keep walking you know as your toenails mm. are peeling off and like like just crazy yeah. shit's happening to your body like, can you keep pushing through? I, like the last hundred mile run, I remember there were just blisters, like you know, massive, like the size of two set fifty cent pieces, like all Fuck. over my feet, and you're feeling washing wow. around, and yeah, it was brutal. But and so when you're in that state, it's like, how can I get my legs to like start ticking over again? Even just like a slow jog, what can I say to myself, or what can I do? How can I motivate myself to just push again? to get to that next checkpoint. Mm. Yeah. So that's why I think mindset's really important with it. Like as much as the training is that mindset is the thing, like the mindset is what's going to get you from like halfway to the end. Like your training will get you to the middle, but mindset is, is what gets you over the finish line. Yeah. Well, like, especially when you're facing the challenges of pain, because pain is one of the biggest obstacles we can overcome and be able to have the mindset to, push through the like big blisters on your feet and just keep going and keep going and reach the outcome that you want. Like that is amazing. I also want to know, bro, like what type of fuel do you put into your body? Like in preparation? <laughs> no, I'm not perfect. I'm like yeah. pretty lazy with my nutrition, but I, um, I try and I try and eat like just meat and vegetables. Um, yeah. On the race day, it's literally anything now. Like I've gotten to the, I've just gone shopping and I've got like, 
chocolate chip cookies, like mm. Alan snakes. I'll, yeah. I'm cooking some corned beef and bread rolls and like have a few sandwiches. The best thing, I always love sushi. Sushi's easy mm. to eat and like full of carbs, but everyone's different. And like, I'm still sort of working that out. Cause like I've had, like I've tried different things for different races. Um, the, the hundred mile that I did and my mate was pit crewing for me. That was really good. Cause like he had the ute. And so mm. I had like the gas cooker on there. Like I had lamb chops in the morning for breakfast. Like yeah. as the sun's coming up, I was at like run 120 K. So that was awesome to have like a nice breakfast feed like that. Mm. But this one that I'm doing tonight, Oh, it's just me. So I've just got drop bags. So it's whatever I can put in a bag and yeah. they'll take it to the checkpoint. So it, it sort of depends on what your preparation is as far as if you've got a pit crew. If I've got a pit crew, I just fill the esky. I've got heaps of water, heaps of energy drinks, like all mm. sorts of stuff. And like, it's easy then. I can make it work. Two-minute noodles is a big one too. Like I love just having like a bit of bone broth with two-minute noodles. Yeah, like They're easy to get down and, and they give you a bit of energy and that sort of thing as well. But I think like the biggest thing is just eating anything, like trying mm. to keep your fuel up because that's what like that first race that I did, like I said, I was 18,000 calories or something I burned and I yeah. was only taking like 2,000. Like if you're doing that, like <laughs> that's where the rhabdo comes in. Your body starts, yeah. to, the muscle starts to break down and it, like your body, your body's basically eating itself to keep you going. And then you mm. uh, leak this protein um, into your bloodstream and it can block up your kidneys and do all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. What does the um, recovery look like for you? Like the following days? Cause I'm, I'm sure you're in a lot of pain and recovering. So yeah. What, well, what is recovery like? The recovery, I try and do a bit of yoga just to stretch out again, yeah. like really getting my legs moving. Um, the, yeah, it, it's always been different because it depends on what like part of my life I'm in. So in mm. the past, I was still bricklaying. So um, the, the race that I didn't finish, I like took two days off and then I was back at work. The last one I did, I was back at work the next day. But that's yeah. because like I feel like the race, pardon me, went so much better because I had the right fuel. I was still stiff and sore and like I wasn't loving life, but mm. I was able to like walk enough that I was able to do it. So, but yeah, the, yeah. the next one I got to be the big challenge because I got the 200 mile and then I got a 24 hour obstacle course race the weekend after. So like my recovery is going to pretty much that whole week is just going to be recovery. Yeah. So it'd be awesome to see like a vlog of you just doing a whole like hundred miler, like just footage yeah. of you, the highs, the lows, the push throughs, the mindset overcoming I, challenges like that would be epic yeah I'm, i'll try and do it today or tonight i'm yeah. gonna try and like update my stories on instagram and stuff but it's sort of you get in because like you're it's, you're so focused on like finishing the race when you your feet are that sore and like everything going on it's like i just can't be fucked like updating yeah, yeah. people like my first ultra my dad thought i died because i didn't speak to him for like days mm. and he was having a panic attack because like I just didn't have because I was so focused on trying to get to this one checkpoint because I knew I didn't have the food. So that yeah. first race, what happened was I showed up and like I fit I found out that you're supposed to have six drop bags and I had one. Oh, so shit. I was like, right, I have to figure out which station to leave it at 
like this goes back to that third door, right? Like, yeah. what was I going to do? Was I going to quit and just get back on the bus and drive home and call it a day? Or was I going to figure out what's the best strategy? <laughs> and they're all bad strategies, but what's the best one possible? And so I, I put everything that I needed into this one bag. And then, then that was literally everything that I couldn't strap to myself. So I had like a bum bag strapped to me and all sorts of stuff, which I've yeah. never run with a bum bag again because it literally rubbed like right through my back like yeah. i had a big scab across my back by the end but, <laughs> but um so i looked at the map <clears throat> esk so we're running from yarraman to esk and esk was 100 k's from the start point so mm. i said to myself right if i can get if i can run 100 k's before the sun goes down like i can get here i can have di- like a dinner which was just a bag of Allen snakes and like a few gels, but yeah. and then have my warm clothes for the night time in that bag ready to go. So right, I, and that's what I did. I just chucked everything in the bag, wrote down, put this at esk check checkpoint six, I think it was, and just hope for the best. And like I made it, yeah, I made yeah. it as the sun, like the sun set. It was like six thirty, and I just pulled into esk. So like twelve hours, I'd run a hundred k's with like a couple of you know a few um little mini chocolate bars and like whatever yeah. else they had like whatever scraps were lying around and then yeah kept punching on from there but like by that time i'd done too much damage to myself yeah. like there was no there was no amount of recovery i could do and then the other thing was i i was really afraid of like seizing up like i thought mm. that if i had too much of a break I'd just go so stiff that I wouldn't be able to move anymore and I'd have to like be like wheeled off in an ambulance. So I kept pushing through. But what I've realized since then is um, I actually recover okay if I sit down and eat and like take my time. Like even if I have a break for an hour, I'm so much better. Like I even have people go, fuck, you look different because you've had that break. Like I even had a sleep on the second hundred mile I did, I just, my watch died and like, I really, that the trail runs, um, you need your GPS because you just get lost at night time. Like, and I did, my watch died and I went back out there and I got lost. So I ended up running 180 Ks in 160 K race because I like, I was like just going around in circles and all sorts of shit. And so that GPS was really important. So same thing. I hit that obstacle and I was like, right, what am I going to do? I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go backwards to go forwards. I went back, found my mate. I was like, I'm just going to chuck my my watch on the charge and I'm going to have a sleep for an hour. And once it's charged, we'll get back up and we'll get at it. And that's what I did. And and then it served me well. Like, obviously, mm. I didn't make record time, but I finished the race, which was what I set out to do. Not gonna lie, you make me want to get up and go to the gym. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <good. laughs> Give me some motivation. Like that is Hannibal this man is just it's so dope because you know it comes back to mindset and then that preparation. But you know, to be able to put yourself out there with all these challenges, but always thinking about the answer, like because the other challenges that come with this stuff too, I'm assuming would be like even the wildlife and animals and stuff that you you know you might come across and the nighttime you can't see and the GPS going away and the food and like there's just so many things that you've got to overcome, but it feels like you'd build so much leadership skills by doing this. Yeah. Uh, like that's, uh, that's why I like doing it now. Like it's sort of my wife's away this weekend doing breath work and yoga and all that sort of, she's at that pan fest up the coast. Mm. And like, you know, 
I was like, cool, I'm going to do something for me. And my ultra running is almost like my breath work or my like seminar, yeah. I guess, like for personal growth. Like, it's like, I'm going to go to my personal growth seminar this weekend. I'm going to be running through the mountains in the dark by myself. And I'm the only person there to talk to. Like it's me and my thoughts and that's it. Yeah. It's sort of like locking yourself in a dark room for like 24 hours and seeing what happens to you. So, yeah. And like same thing, you, you're in a, just an immense level of pain and, and you're still like got to keep pushing through if you mm. want to finish. So, I love yeah. that. That's sick, bro. Like, do you have a favorite race? Maybe not one you finished the quickest or one that you just did in a good time, but is the one in particular that was your favorite? Yeah, the the True Grit 24-hour obstacle course race, it's my favorite. Like, I wish I could do mm. one of them every month. Like, they, they're yeah, just... Well. That's the thing that I love. It's what I'm really passionate about. It the other ultra races just sort of happened because I couldn't find any more obstacle course races that were long enough to really yeah. push me. Because once I hit that, once I got to the point where I knew I could run a 24 hour obstacle course race, I was like, I'm sort of like, don't even want to go back and do the short ones anymore because yeah. it's not pushing me hard enough. So now I'm like looking for things that are bigger and better. So. Yeah, that that twenty four hour true grit, I love that. And like I, I'm like I said, I'm doing it again this year. I've got it in a in about a month from now, so I can't wait to get out there and try that again. Yeah, bloody oath. I'm keen to um keen to read your book one day, brother. I know you're yeah, yeah. out there. <laughs> Funny enough, I'm actually writing one. Yeah, I was gonna say you need one because I feel like a podcast episode isn't enough to learn and hear from you like i feel like a whole book and consume that would just be awesome like about your journey and the skills that you're acquiring and the value that you have like yeah bro it's going to be epic yeah yeah i've got to wait until i run the 200 mile then i've got a really good story to like yeah. <laughs> or that whole week actually because like i said i go straight from a 200 mile into a 24 hour obstacle course race so i think yeah like yeah we'll see we'll see you guys, yeah. I'll see you guys on the Monday anyway, so you'll know whether yeah. I made it or not. Yeah, for sure. Do you have um, do you have like free books that you'd recommend to people as well? Yeah, absolutely. I've um got the one back here, Extreme Ownership by Jocko oh, yeah. Willink. I love yeah. that one. It's like leadership. It's mm. it's not just leadership as far as like you know leading a team, but for me, like taking extreme ownership of yeah. any situation in my life. Like I noticed if me and my partner are having a fight, like it gets worse and worse the longer I don't take any ownership of something. As yeah. soon as I take ownership and apologize for my mistake and my side, everything changes. You can, And it goes, it sort of goes back to that. You can't control anything in your external environment. You can only control you, your thoughts, mm. your feelings. And like taking ownership is that like massive thing. Um, my dad's actually got a couple of books, but they're not like, they're good, but I, I feel bad yeah. if I don't say that, but he's got um, um, any given team. But um, jo uh, the David Goggins Can't Hurt Me, obviously, mm. was a massive one for me too. I love that. Um, oh, we've got so many. Atomic Habits is amazing yeah. as well. I really love that one. But yeah, Jock the Jocko Willink and, and David Goggins are probably like my top two. Oh, actually, Raising Lions funnily mm. enough it was a parenting book by a guy named joe newman and i've actually had a a, a a like a webinar thing with him um to do some parenting stuff and that really changed my life too because it 
like it sort of taught me a lot about setting boundaries and it wasn't just about like setting boundaries with your kids and stuff. It was really Mm -hmm. understanding like how people act and react and like, you know, not playing into someone's tantrums. Yeah. So like he talks mm. about, you know, when your kid has a tantrum, you just ignore it, you put them in a timeout and let them calm themselves down. And I think like a lot of adults now have had those parents that played into those tantrums. So now they use a tantrum, like it's not necessarily they're kicking and screaming on the ground at the grocery yeah. store, but they're like, they're having a fight and, um, like being able to just say, hey, this is you having an issue right now. Like you need to go cool down and then we're going to have a talk about it. But yeah, mm. it was, that's a really great book, Raising Lions, for anyone who's, it's just really good about relationships and stuff. But especially if you have kids or you deal with kids, it's an mm. amazing book. Yeah, well, I'm off to check. I don't have kids, but I'll even like just to check that out because that's so true. Like people can like guilt shame you or a lot of different things in terms yeah. of when they are chucking the tantrum, then you start doing stuff in life that you don't want to do to please other people. But then by doing that, you're enabling their behavior as well. And also you're not protecting your own energy and mind mindfulness and mindset as well. So that's a very interesting topic. Yeah. He talks about um, when I actually spoke to him, my wife said to him a, a funny one, because he does this stuff in real life. Like he's worked with kids with ADHD and, and ADD and all that sort of stuff. And it's funny because like he's, completely cured these kids who are on antidepressants they're in these special schools in america and like completely cures them just by setting strong boundaries and um yeah like i can't even remember what i was going oh yeah sorry he was talking about we were talking about um our kids and like when we're in the car with them and they start going like feral in the back seat like it's hard you can't put them in a timeout when they're in the back seat right like Mm. where do you put them you can't put them in the in their bedroom or in the laundry and then he was telling us this story of how he had a busload of kids who were like, you know, basically like on their way to juvie if they didn't straighten up and they were yeah. being like really noisy on the bus and wouldn't sit down and wouldn't listen. And he's like, so what I want you guys to do is when your kids are like that, just find a nice sunny spot on the side of the road, pull over, turn the car off, wind the windows up and go sit on the bonnet and you just tell them when they're quiet, you'll come back in the car. And he goes, before too long, they're like poking their heads out the window going, we're too hot tonight. We'll promise we'll be quiet. We promise we'll be quiet. And he's like, it's funny because like when he deals with a tantruming kid, like it's really stressful to deal with someone who's, you know, losing control of themselves. But he has a way of like staying calm and making it like fun. He's like, yeah. you got to enjoy it. Like just be like, hey, you know, I'm, I told you not to do that and you decided to do it, which is fine. That's your choice. But because of that, you're going to go sit in a timeout. And they're like, yeah. I don't want to sit in a timeout. He's like, that's not my fault. I'm not, I'm not actually here. I'm not the one that made you do that. Like you chose to do that. And it's sort of giving people choices and taking yourself out of the equation. You're just like overseeing it. And you've said, this is option A, this is option B, but option B comes with this. Yeah. Know? Yeah, that's an interesting book. Raisin Lions, who's the author? Joe Newman. I'll bring, I've got a copy. Oh, my cleaner's got the copy of it, but I'll bring it to you when she gives it back. Yeah, wicked. Thanks, bro. Um, do you have any final words or advice you'd like to leave on this podcast? Oh, I don't know. I think I think I've covered a fair bit, but I <laughs> like I just go back to like that following your passion, finding your passion, and and really 
you know, figuring out who you are and who you want to be in life and like, mm. and just follow that and just keep putting out good energy. Don't worry about like your, your the outcome so much as like you keep putting out the right energy and good things will happen to you. So just stay positive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank I you, bro. I could go. I'll just, just <laughs> keep wasting your whole afternoon. But no, nah, you're all good, bro. I was about to say, like, I feel like we need to do another podcast in a couple of months' time and just reflect and talk. And yeah, man, I feel like we could talk forever. It's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll uh, I'll book you in for after the two old truths. Yeah. Wicked, bro. Do you have, um, oh, yeah, link in all your stuff. So, how can people find you and what you're doing? And, like what's your Instagram? Oh, yeah, and stuff? I'm on yeah. Facebook at Jackson McLean. Um, Instagram is Forge Mindset Coaching. Um, uh, and I've got a website, Forge, um, Forge Life Coaching as well. But everything's on Instagram in the link tree there. So if you check me out on Instagram at Forge Mindset Coaching, um, you'll be able to find everything. And if you want to shoot me a message, have a chat about anything at all, I'm uh, more than happy to have a chat with you guys. So, and I really want to say thank you so much for having me on, Ryan. I, I really appreciate your time and I appreciate everything that you're doing, man. And I really love this podcast and I love all the stuff that you're putting out there. Mm. I can't say it enough, like how, how fantastic you are as, as like a younger guy who's really find, found his passion so young. Like it's really mm. inspirational. Oh, thank you, bro. That, um, that touched me on the heart. <laughs> that means a lot. I appreciate those words, heaps, man. And yeah, just thank you for giving up your time today to come on and add some value to me and my listeners as well. And just sharing your story, man. It was epic. No, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I'll also link everything else in the bio as well. Like I'll chuck all of um, Jackson's details in there too, in case you can't find them on socials. You can just check it out in the bio and then it'll link you straight to them. But thank you everyone for listening. We hope you have a good day. Cheers. Thank you.